Hi there. My name is Todd Martin, and I'm the pastor at Smithville Mennonite Church. And I often wonder what you're doing right now. I've heard people are out for a walk or driving home from work, but no matter how we have made this connection, I want you to know that I believe it's a divine appointment. You see, in just a few moments, I'm going to share a message that I know God wants you to hear. So before we begin, I'd like you to pray with me. Oh God, thank you for this time that we can share. Now speak clearly that we may hear everything you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now one of the things that I truly love about Jesus is he never asks us to do anything he wouldn't do. Now, we've studied parables about lost and found stuff over the last couple weeks. Sheep, coins, even sons. Now, these are powerful and timeless stories that should make us stop and think about the lost people around us. But you need to know that to stop and think about it really isn't enough. You know, if Jesus was just a good storyteller, you wouldn't know about him today. If he could just talk a good game, he would have faded into history and ultimately obscurity. But Jesus Christ didn't fade. In fact, he never will fade. Jesus practiced what he preached. It's one thing to talk about the lost. It's another to seek and save them the way Jesus did. This is what we'll see in today's text from the Bible. So here's your point. Uh, I often call this the sermon in a sentence. If this is all you get out of the message, uh, just jot this down. Your sermon in a sentence is, Jesus came to seek and save. That's what he did, and we should too. Jesus came to seek and save. That's what he did, and we should too. When we think about how the lost get found, we need to look no further than to Jesus to see how it gets done. Now I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. I love it when people can open the Word of God as it's being read. Now if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. I will be reading the full text, but if you do, open it up and we'll, we'll share it together. Now, I'm happy to send you a copy of the Bible. If you need one, just stick around till the end of the message and I'll tell you how that'll work. So I hope by now you're in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho. And was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Now, what I hope you catch from those first four verses is people often find goofy ways 
to see or get to God. People often find goofy ways to see or get to God. And then I would ask you to think about this question. How or where did you first see Jesus? And how do you see the lost seeking him now? Now, I know it's hard to believe, but everyone is looking for God. Now, they may not know that's who they are looking for, but believe me, they are. People are incurably curious. Why is this? Or better yet, how do I know? Well, next time you're in a big city on a busy street, try this out. Just stand still and start looking up into the sky. If you stand there about five minutes, you're going to have a couple people standing beside you. If you stand there even longer, a bigger crowd might gather. And then you can just walk away. It's pretty cool. When I lived in Europe, I would take my sketchbook out and do drawings. And I remember people would gather around me. Once I turned around and this Italian guy smiled at me and said, Bellissima. Because he thought my drawing was beautiful. Because people there are curious. Now when I visited New York City, I went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And again, I had my sketchbook with me. And I noticed someone was watching me. And I turned around and it was the former mayor, Ed Koch, watching me draw. And I actually got his autograph too, in case you wonder. You know, people are curious. They say, Curiosity kills the cat, but it characterizes people. We're curious by nature. Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus. He had his curiosity peaked, and so he made a climb. Now, friends, you need to know, grown men don't climb trees, let alone rich ones that have the name chief as part of their name. There is a godly goofiness happening here. Something is going on. The Holy Spirit was drawing him through his curiosity. This is what we must see. Can I just ask you, has there been a person acting goofy around you? Now, you might say, yeah, like everyone over the last two years. No, that's not what I mean. I mean like a godly goofy. Like, they want to know what you are doing and why you are the way they are. Or just seem to be watching you in some way. Friend, you may have a Zacchaeus on your trail. So then, what do you do if that's the case? Well, all we need to do now is watch Jesus. Again, I'm in Luke chapter 19, verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Well, for verses 5 through 7, I hope you catch that most of the time, people are either glad or mad about Jesus reaching the lost. Again, let me say it in a different way. Most of the time, Jesus makes people glad or mad when reaching the lost. Then I would just ask, who are you looking for? Or, which are you? Are you glad or mad when lost people are being reached? 
Now, one of the things that always perplexed me is, how did Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? Now, we won't know this side of heaven because the Bible doesn't tell us, but maybe Zacchaeus was famous or perhaps infamous. You see, everybody knew the chief, but not in a good way. He was the chief tax collector. So then he called him by name. Can you imagine the sound of Jesus's voice calling you by name? I bet Jesus was smiling and we know Zacchaeus was smiling gladly. I can't remember which Jesus movie I saw, but in it, they showed people crowding Zacchaeus out of view on purpose. Kids were throwing rocks at Zacchaeus when he was up the tree before Jesus got there. You see, Zacchaeus was the last guy people wanted around. He was lost in the crowd who wanted him to get lost. Now, I'm sure he had heard his name called many times that day, but none too kindly. But then another voice was heard. Zacchaeus was called by name by his creator. He was called by name by the only person who truly knew him. He was called by the one Zacchaeus had just hoped that he would catch a glimpse of. Now he's talking to Jesus. Can you imagine that? Now, the, at the end of this, this broadcast, I'm going to be sharing a song called He Knows My Name. And it's a beautiful song that I kind of wonder if Zacchaeus was singing after he met Jesus. You see, this is the other thing I love about Jesus. He often gives us more than we deserve when we seek him with our whole heart. The great shepherd was seeking his lost sheep and he found one. I wonder if Jesus prayed that morning, Oh, Father, show me the lost today. And God the Father said, Okay, Jesus, he'll be up in a tree. And Jesus might have said, Really? And God said, yes, really. Just keep your eyes open. And then there he was, a little lost tax collector, quite literally hanging out in a fig tree. I bet Jesus just smiled. What if you would pray, Father, show me the lost today? I wonder what he might say. I hope we're looking around. But now let's look at the flip side, because not everybody was smiling. The crowd turned as they often can and often do. What was Jesus doing with this jerk? He's a bad guy. A sinner, in fact. The mutterers were sounding off and letting everyone know Jesus made the wrong move. Do you ever think that way? Around lost folks? But Jesus knew what he was doing. Look at what happened next. I'm in verse 6 of Luke chapter 19. I'm sorry, not verse 6, verse 8 of Luke chapter 19. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. 
And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Oh friends, what I hope you glean from verses 8 through 10 Jesus saved and then sent us too. Just don't lose hope. Again, Jesus saved and then sent us too. Just don't look just don't lose hope. Now I'm going to ask you this, who are you seeking to see saved as well? Who are you seeking to see saved as well? Now here is a hard text for me. If you remember last broadcast, I confessed my older brother tendencies when it comes to looking at the story of the prodigal son. Because the prodigal's big brother didn't celebrate little brother's return. His response was more like, yeah, right. My little brother is useless. And now he's come home? When I read verse 8, I'm sometimes tempted to roll my eyes and say, Sure, Zacchaeus, you're going to throw all that money back to the people you probably made poor from your tax collecting. You're going to pay back four times. You must really be rich because of all the dirty deals you did. But then, I look at what Jesus said. Let's just read verse 9 and 10 one more time. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. Zacchaeus confessed and repented on the spot. And Jesus said, yes, indeed, this man is saved. Wow, that's faith and love welded together with hope. I love it when Jesus does exactly the opposite of what I do because it's downright convicting, but also beautifully inspiring. This is reality. We must not lose hope for in people and in the power of the Holy Spirit to change people, perhaps even right on the spot. Did Jesus have people leave him, reject him, betray him? Did he know that they would do it? And did he keep on loving and hoping and saving people anyway? The answer to every one of those questions is yes. At a pastor's conference I went to the other week, there was a preacher there who just knocked my socks off. He was a wild conservative conference pastor with a shaved head and a bushy beard from Maryland. And he preached a sermon titled, I Plan to Be Hurt Again. In it, he outlined a massive blunder he made in entrusting leadership to a person in the church who totally blew it. People were hurt. People left. He was devastated. And then he took the heat for the bad choice he made. After one particularly hard tongue lashing from a church member 
who had been hurt by the ordeal, which he apologized profusely and sought forgiveness for. But when the dust settled, he asked a question and made a statement. He just asked if the offended person believed that this leader and himself were both Christians. They were both following Christ. They were both trying to be faithful. And the answer was yes. But then he simply said, you know, I plan to get hurt again. I plan to keep on trusting people and believing in people and taking risks to grow people who will blow it. Because sometimes that's what happens in church. And we just keep going. That's what Jesus did. And that's what we must do as well. Zacchaeus was one of those lost people that nobody liked, but Jesus did. Nobody saw potential in him, but Jesus. Nobody thought he could change, but Jesus proclaimed it over him after his confession and repentance. Like to say, nobody else might believe in you, Zacchaeus, but I do, and I'm the only one that matters. You know, I like to believe Zacchaeus went on to live a flourishing life of faith in Jesus. But we'll never know this side of heaven, but we can all believe it. Let's review, and then I'll let you go. Jesus came to seek and save. That's what he did, and we should too. But how do we do it? Can I just ask again, is there somebody acting godly goofy around you? Maybe they aren't climbing trees, but you can see they are looking for God. Will you show them? Will you invite them into a conversation or perhaps even a meal just to explore what they are looking for and perhaps even share Jesus with them? Jesus came to seek and save. That's what he did and we should too. But it will often make people glad or mad. The lost person will be glad and others will get mad. And that's okay because they muttered about Jesus too. So they might mutter about you. Jesus could see the potential in people, no matter how bad they were. And he would connect with them. He would see them and call them by name and have hope for their souls. Do you remember how you first saw Jesus? I, I want to be really clear, because maybe it wasn't clear last time I asked it. Uh, I've never seen a physical manifestation of Jesus like Paul did on the road to Damascus, that Jesus actually appeared. But I have seen Jesus in so many fellow believers over my lifetime. The witness of Jesus through his church, that is, through people who know him and are filled with his spirit. I've seen Jesus many times. When was the first time you saw him? Now, if you call yourself a Christian, can others see him in you? And can you see others who are seeking Jesus? Will you share and show the love of Jesus to them? Finally, are we ready to see lost people get saved? Are we ready to believe in them, even if no one else does? 
even if they may fail us, reject us, and even lose the faith. Friends, you need to know last year was one of the toughest years in ministry I've had. I watched people walk away. I saw lost people who had gotten saved fall away from the church and even from Christ himself. But through these messages about the lost, I've been inspired to keep seeking and saving no matter what. Because Jesus came to seek and save. That's what he did. And if we are following him, that's what we need to do too. No matter what happens, we cannot lose hope or abandon the mission Jesus calls us to, to seek and save the lost. Oh God, help us to be faithful even today. Let us pray. Lord, I ask that you would bless all of those who claim faith in you today, that they would have renewed passion to seek and save the lost. That is, those who don't know you. Now, Lord, I do pray for those who may be listening that indeed don't know you. And Lord, you have been seeking to save them, and maybe that's why they're even listening today. Lord, I pray that as your word was opened, that their, their souls would be stirred. And if someone wants to receive you today, I pray that they would. Lord, I thank you that you make it so simple. It's just as simple as ABC. We just need to admit we're sinners and we need a Savior. Zacchaeus knew something was missing. He knew he was a sinner and he admitted it. Lord, I pray that we would admit it. And then B is for believe, that we would believe you are who you said you are. The Son of God who came and lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, and then rose on the third day to live forever and to invite us to live forever with you. We just need to believe that. And then finally, we need to commit our lives to following you. Lord, perhaps that journey will begin today for someone who is listening. If you admit, believe, and commit your life today, you are a Christian and your journey with Jesus has begun much like Zacchaeus's just did. Oh Lord, whoever may need to make that commitment today, I pray that they would. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayer. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like a Bible or someone to pray with, feel free to reach out to me, Todd Martin, at Smithville Mennonite Church. Now, as I promised earlier, I'd like to leave you with a song that, I, again, I like to think Zacchaeus might have been singing in his heart after he met Jesus. It's called, He Knows My Name. And it's sung by a man I, I like to call the James Taylor of Christian music. His name is Tommy Walker. Be blessed as you listen and remember, God knows your name too. God bless you and amen.